you don't, you don't like that? You don't like that little that little comment to get the thing started? Yeah, I don't the, feel like finger. you delivered it. It was the finger, than wasn't it? Me, me giving you the, me giving you the finger. <laughs> we can go. Hit, hit it. Indubitably, you know. Hit it. That needs to be someone's, like, you know, engage, like, <laughs> phrase. Indubitably. Oh, God. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of These Are the Voyages. You have joined us as we've been rambling and joking about how we want to get this show started. Anyways, um, I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and joining me as always are my dear friends, Lieutenant Commander Eric and Lieutenant Commander David. Welcome back once again, guys, for another discussion of this here Star Trek stuffs. It's back, bud. Hey, Eric's favorite discovery. New season. Yay. New season. No, no, no. New season always brings a lot of excitement, right? Season fours are usually really good, right? Season four of... Very solid. ...of The Next Generation is really solid, you know... Season four of Deep Space Nine brought in Worf and I think really kicked it up a notch. Season four of Voyager brought in Seven of Nine and and hit all the right marks all the way That's through right. season four. Season uh, four of Enterprise is probably the best season of Enterprise. But, but so what hey, about season four season of uh, fours, the original series, right? Eric. <laughs> it was amazing. It's a great one. Yeah, that was really good, wasn't it? All those, cl- all those classic episodes to talk about. No, but in, in all honesty, you know, it's like it, a new season. It should bring excitement to us. You know, it's been off the January. air since what, early December, yeah. or not early December, early January, right when it finished. So you know, we're eleven months. So For sure. For it sure. should be exciting. And, uh, exciting time. Right, we're in this exciting all era of lots back. of new Star Trek, all, back all in back. a row. Um, I mean, we, we, I mean, this has been a pretty decent year. I mean, love it or or hate it, right? I mean, we had Discovery to kick off 2021, and we're having Discovery to wrap up 2021. And in between, we've, we've of course had the second season of Lower Decks. We've had Prodigy, which, by the way, is officially on hiatus until January. I've been doing some snooping confirming of stuff so yeah we're we're on hiatus until um, early january with prodigy which i'm very sad about by the way and but at the same time like this excitement of course like we look back to star trek day that happened just a little bit ago and all the other stuff that's gonna be popping up soon too like of course picard season two is right around the corner we have strange new worlds which is ostensibly right around the corner as well like behind picard so it's a great time to be a Star Trek fan, to be completely honest. It's a great time. So, you know, we were talking about, yeah. um, like, this being an exciting time. And um, I, I'll, I, guess, I guess I'll talk about the exciting time. And then I need to, like, process some stuff with you guys having to do with some other non-Star Trek related stuff. So I, I had a chance. I think you guys knew this. And, like, I posted it, like, on, um, like, Twitter, uh, I think Facebook as well in, in some parts. Um, but I actually got to go to the season four premiere party, virtual premiere party for Star Trek Discovery. And no. Oh, so it wasn't Basically, at a physical yeah. location? Um, it was like a Zoom party? It was, it was pretty neat. Um, I thought it was pretty neat. I mean, 
they uh, they let you uh, like you you came in like about 10 15 minutes before like the designated start time for the premiere and they had this like L cars kind of system where you could like snap a picture with your phone and then they like remove the background instantaneously so you got like your own cadet ID card and um, some other stuff and then once you completed the entire event they sent you this like uh, downloadable uh, what was it like Starfleet Academy graduation certificate of sorts which was kind of neat um, and lot there were like a lot of people and at one point I had to shut the chat off because it was like messing with the buffering of the, the episodes which I can't stand that man like not not people chatting just like slow internet speeds when like they're supposed to be fast like that drives me nuts like I pay for fast internet speeds and it's like come on now just just give it to me give it to me give it to me execute exactly <laughs> give it to me <laughs> but it, it was neat um, they did like this um, uh, I don't think I think it's okay to talk about this I mean whatever it's after the fact it's already premiered not like I'm spoiling anything um, like they did like a like these different people like speaking like you heard from like Neville Page who of course does like the creature effects that we learned about like the makeup stuff um, at different points uh, heard from him um, who else do we hear from? Uh, just random people came up. Um, Tawny Newsom, who uh, voices uh, Beckett Mariner, by the way. She was in some heavy makeup as the commandant of Starfleet Academy in 3189, which it was pretty cool. And um, we'll talk about the uniforms a little bit later on in the actual show. But they were everyone was like in uniform and they were talking. And um, they did this thing called Last Fan Standing where they um, had everyone that was in attendance like in a Zoom holding room basically to be live on air doing like, you know, trivia stuff, which resulted in um, a special preview for everyone of the second episode of Star Trek Discovery, which I will not be talking about tonight. <laughs> Lord willing. <laughs> but it was, it was definitely interesting. Uh, it, was, it was fun. Um, there was a lot of excitement. Um, in the room watching it and I was on Discord with some other friends because we didn't want to deal with the um, uh, whatchamacallit like the the hubbub of what was going on in the chat room so anyway that's that I know that we we just like we're doing like this quick turnaround thing like we just were talking about Prodigy uh, the other day and now here we are we're talking about Discovery and we had we had, dude, guys we had like we had some good laughs uh, when we were like recording our prodigy episode <sighs> and with that I got I got to talk about this what is there's, there's going to be a point to this what is your go-to like laugh out loud movie like the movie that you know will make you laugh out loud without question Ahead, but like something that immediately jumps out to okay. my mind, to answer that would be yeah. like my cousin Vinny. I don't know a if that's go-to. like the go to movie, but that's like something sure. that in- okay. instantly jumps into my head when you ask that question. I could probably okay. think Very of something good. else, but that is a good one. Yeah. that's a good one. Wow, I kind of wish you would have asked, like, asked so I could prepare for that. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, like te- texted me an hour ago to it's give fine. me. So give I'll, me I'll, some, I'll say mine. Some prep um, time, and maybe David will, will think of one on the fly or something. I don't know. So for me, um, like I was like on the struggle bus personally um, when this was happening, and um, my wife and I we just started talking, and Beverly Hills Cop comes up, and Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah is like a movie that like I'm laughing like almost every other breath like Eddie Murphy in that movie is just it's classic Eddie Murphy and he is just freaking hilarious absolutely hilarious so we were actually uh, watching uh, Beverly Hills Cop just before I sat down to record with y'all due to um, like a very frustrating thing that happened uh, today um and, I, and David, let me know whenever you're ready, bud. But um, if, if not, that's cool, too. We were... I've been wanting this thing called Whataburger for a while now. Yeah, Whataburger. I've been wanting Whataburger for a while. Whataburger? Well, here's the thing. Like, one... Okay. I've been watching what I've been eating. Two, um, like, not every week, but, like, a lot of Tuesdays, like, we just order whatever just because I'm teaching so late. And, like, I start at 5. I don't get done till eight I need something to eat at some point my wife that's like usually like what she does like she'll order something and it might be Whataburger might be something else but she gets on this kick sometimes of like certain things and I'm like dang it I want Whataburger too like I just haven't had Whataburger in a while welcome to Texas that's exactly Sounds what like I'm saying Sounds like you're saying Whataburger <laughs> 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 yes it is spelled that's why out Whataburger like, but Texans Whataburger? pronounce it Whataburger yeah. So, okay. Um, I finished. Right. I finished doing my work for for the day, and you know, I go over over to my dad's place to to pick up my son, let let my daughter spend the night there, and you know, I drop off the bag, pick up the things, and I confirm with my wife, like, "Hey, are we still getting Whataburger?" And she's like, "Yeah, sure." So I get on the app, I order the thing, and it says, "It should your order should be ready between this time and this time." Sweet. So I go to curbside pull into my spot, enter my number, and I wait, and I wait some more. (laughs) In the meantime, my son is not waiting very patiently, and he is starting to fuss and be my little boy, and (laughs) it's just going on and on and on and on, and I I see, I'm seeing like the, the runners, you know, coming out with like other people's bags of foods and drinks and stuff like that, and I'm like, no. No, 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 no. I'm not the wrong, the wrong location. location. <laughs> it, mind you, it's now been 30 minutes since, um, since I ordered, and it should have been done like 15 minutes earlier. So I keep waiting and waiting, and like someone finally comes up to me, and they're like, hey, what'd you order? And I tell them exactly like, oh. I'm like, what's oh mean? And they just like walk away. And then like they don't come back. They don't come back. So, like, another 10, 15 minutes passes by, I call the store, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? Did you not get my order? And they're like, can you come in? I'm like, I got a screaming kid. No, I'm keeping my kids here. That's why I ordered curbside. And I go in. My order is literally sitting there. I'm like, I've been waiting for 40, almost 45 minutes to get my food. And they like just have like this deer in the headlights like oh crap look on their face and I just like walk out and like the manager's like chasing me down like handing me cash and 
all this other, I am like fuming. This kind of crap happens to me every freaking time I go to a fast food joint, guys. I just needed this like cathartic moment. And I like call my wife, I'm like, honey, we're not having water burger tonight. What do you want? Type of thing. <laughs> so we got Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> and then we and then we sit down and watch Beverly Hills Cop, and now I'm much better. I mean, was there? A, I mean, okay, so there's a point to this story, right? Point Other is, than just being a humorous anecdote. Come on, man. Just it's all those darn kids working at the fast food that can't even make a burger right and bring it out to me curbside. Is 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 the point? Is the point? You were excited for something and you were waiting for it. And you know you're looking forward to it. Well, and then when it came, problem is, Eric, nothing ever came for me. Is that the point? <laughs> uh, that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, ooh. Well, well, well done, David. Well done. Well Thank done. You. Well done. I did think of stuff though. Yeah. What do, what do you got, man? Pretty much anything Leslie Nielsen, I still find him funny. Okay. Blazing Saddles, Monty Python, mm. Spinal Tap. Okay. Those I can laugh. Up to 11? To 11. Okay. Everything's at 11. It's one higher. <laughs> Do you have a favorite Monty Python since we're talking about comedies? Uh, well, I mean, ho- Holy Grail's pretty hard to beat. Right. Life of Brian is is decent. Yeah. But just their sort of just variety of sketches and stuff are also very funny too. Yeah. Did you ever watch Flying Circus just out of curiosity? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Man, we used to like quote um like quote the heck out of Monty Python the Holy Grail in high school. Mm-hmm. I mean I mean, speaking of Monty Python, have you ever seen um uh shoot with um a fish called Wanda. Mm-hmm. It's got Jamie Lee Curtis and Kevin Klein and John Cleese is in it, right? It's a it's a high gone wrong. Kevin Klein won an Oscar for it. He's hilarious. Right, right, right. Right? John Cleese is one of the main characters in it too. That movie I could turn Very to good. for okay. laughs all, right. all the time. That's a good answer. I think answer. we we need more laughter in our lives, guys, especially on this on this show. We we need more we need more laughs. I'm just saying. Why? Why, Chase? Yeah, but they can't see it. I mean, but we, we can People smile all the time, People can't see though. our smiles. They can hear our laughs, which are the smiling <laughs> see, through their ears. You got, you, you got to talk with your with your smile, right? You got to... Hold, hold, hold on, y'all. Like, you're not going to go Tyra to Banks on me. Properly. Like, so you need to, like, schmize and... Yeah, uh, why not? Okay. Make him feel it, Chase. <laughs> Give him your magnum right through the... Right through the podcast. There you go. There we go. I had to add a little sound effect just in case, you know what I'm saying? It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, like a... They <laughs> added some sound effects in this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. All right. Well, any, any other updates that we need to add before we talk about this show? No? You just want to do it? All right. I feel like we should just get All into right. it. Well, this is the... Uh, the, the uh, let's just get uh, into it. Do I this. say black alert now? Or is it still a red alert? 
Black. Because like that's totally alerting me. All right, Black well, alert. red alert. <laughs> um, we're about to go into spoiler territory as we talk about the season four premiere episode of Star Trek Discovery, Kobayashi Maru. Uh, so if you've not seen the fifty-some-odd-minute-long episode, gone now. Enjoy it. Otherwise, again, if you don't really care, keep on listening. Because here we go. All right. Well, to kick us off with this particular episode, we have a last time on Star Trek Discovery where it recaps a lot of stuff. Okay, and then we like get right into it, basically. Yeah, and I just gotta say, like. Before we get into the details, I'm just going to give like a 50,000 foot view here of what of this episode. This episode was all over the place. This was like five episodes in one. And none of the storylines received their due, their due justice, right? This was just a jumbled mess as far as I'm concerned. And it was... Super contrived, bad CGI, and and slow mo camera, bad CGI, and all of the all of the things that Discovery we have criticized in the past, all of that, it's all here, it's all here in this one fifty three minute jumbled mess. That's a fifty thousand foot view, and then we now we can dive in, Eric is that you really want to camp out and talk about the butterfly people. The butterfly people. Okay, listen. All right, we we arrive at this planet. Bookship flies out, does its little unnecessary morph for no reason whatsoever. Just, hey, look, we we can do a fancy CGI effect, and we can, like... Swoop over the saucer section of Discovery, right? Because you've never seen the saucer section of Discovery. Really, totally unnecessary. I, 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 I whatever. And like this scene, I, I've seen a lot of people on the internet ta- saying this is straight yes. up Star Trek mm-hmm. Into Darkness, the opening scene, right? That a lot of people are saying that, and and I de- definitely see that. And I think Alex Kurtzman wrote the, both of those things, so it makes sense. But, like, this scene fits perfectly in a Lower Decks episode, right? If I saw this on Lower Decks, I'd be like, okay, that's a Lower Decks scene. Like, it didn't, wouldn't make me like it anymore, but it would, like, it, you know, it feels like a second contact, right? And how can we screw up this second contact in the dumbest way possible? All of the things are happening. I don't know. Did anybody else feel I like, was honestly thinking like the same this would have fit in that was Lower first. Decks? Well, the second time, because it was buffering so much, I couldn't keep everything coherent. But, yes. Yes. This was like, I felt like I was listening to uh, Boimler and Mariner having a conversation on a precipice. Well, I mean, she's queen. So, it's... it's yeah. Uh, you're holding a monarch? <laughs> I mean, think no. of all the. Is she great? You feed her. Is she grateful? Eh, not really. <laughs> like, but like, th- all, of all the dumb ways you could screw up a negotiation, right? Do some research. And well, like, why is Book even here? This is supposed to be the Federation reaching exactly. out 
and re- no. trying to well, she she contact. she said He's it. She wanted to use him for his empath thing, you know, like connect with him. Well, yeah, I don't think he really wants to do that. You know, what are you trying to do? Force him into contact at that point? Mm-hmm. It was. It was. It was. It's this really awkward thing, though, that Discovery has just leaned into, especially last season where everybody's just so damn awkward. It's like you, you, you guys have been through the Academy. You, you guys have seen some stuff. Can you learn how to string a sentence together? I don't, I don't need a uh, callback uh, to chase a story. I don't need to hear the teenagers at the Whataburger attempting to scuttle their way through why they couldn't bring me my order, let alone supposedly trained Starfleet officers muddle their way through, at this point, a life-and-death situation, because what winds up happening? They get shot at. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and then this scene, it just... It goes on for so long, like it's too like I, I know we we had said like the the scene where where Book and Burnham are running away at the beginning of last season went on for a little too long. This scene definitely goes on for too long, and their their yeah. dialogue is just awkward as hell. I'm sorry, like Burnham and Book here in when mm-hmm. they're in their little shuttle thing, whatever, and they're flying away. It's just like. Can you be a little bit more serious at this point and not be so awkward when these right. people are shooting yeah. at you? I don't know. And why didn't they just beam away the with their thing. personal transporter Honestly, right back I was to their the ship? the same thing. Like, because <laughs> they, they had to wait till they jumped off a cliff so they could get the cool jump off a cliff and transport. Is, is there shot, a reason right? why she's not in Starfleet uniform though? I think it's like an away mission kind of jacket. She's, she's in a leather those, like, jacket. Uh, Let's not try and act like yeah, that Starfleet like, issue, guys. Yeah, it's like a, it's like <laughs> no, it's it's like it's like in Star Trek Beyond, Kirk is wearing that special like rugged outdoorsy jacket, right? That I think this is their version of that rugged outdoorsy jacket. <laughs> yeah, I. I this was this was kind of interesting, like the the this planet that we're on with, um, and I missed the name of the the alien species. I, I know it was dropped. Um, Eric, do you have? Thank you. Um, the Al Shane. The Al like, I'm gonna sound like a complete idiot, but like I know that it's not true. But like when I when I first saw them, I was like, Andorians, and then I'm like, no. No, these aren't Andorians. This is probably like closer to what an Enterprise Andorian would look like. Um, but, and then like I started seeing like the the glowy butterfly thing showing up, and then I was like, oh shoot, what's about to happen? And then like they grow like these magic wings, and then the butterflies cover their eyes, and they turn into like psychopath killers and stuff like that. And now here we are, we're in a horror movie, uh, being chased through the woods like with glowy orange rocks. And why is there why is there always a cliff? Seriously, why is there always a cliff? Those are good meeting uh, places. Yeah, I guess. Cliffs, I, I, right? I, I guess. I guess. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but 
Because you got to have the fun jump off a cliff scene. Yes, David. It does illustrate, though, an interesting point, which is why it, it, it kind of irritates me that we have to be so awkward. Because a little later on, we talk about the planets that we've been adding back into the, you know, the Federation. These people are going to be extremely distrustful, right? So, I, I just, again, I know it's for the sake of the show and everything because it is Discovery. It's supposed to be this crew, but like, if we're if we're if I'm just being hyper realistic because I have mm-hmm. to do that sometimes. Wouldn't you want to actually like have a trained diplomat go to these planets that are clearly hostile? Because even during the president's speech, um, which I would like to talk about when we get there. Yeah, yeah. But she even talks about like how some some have been hostile to others that were formerly part of the Federation and all this sort of stuff. It's just it's just as half cock BS. It's like an attempt. It's it's like an attempt to be the original series where yeah. we were all space cowboys. But it's like it's not though. You know, yeah, but like we also read that Burnham book I, that talked about all of the hostile planets. I've, towards the I have erased that from my right? memory actually. And so, uh, <laughs> Okay, all right. Well, yeah, you remember you remember that it existed, right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. There should be no. some trained diplomat. Michael Burnham is not a diplomat. Like, if if you're sending Discovery on this mission to reconnect with all these planets, well, or, or you use Colbert, along a diplomat. Like he, that guy can can be empathetic towards people. Yeah, somebody. He's good. Your 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 chief medical yeah. counselor, doctor, scientist, person. guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Doctor Amazing. Mm-hmm. Doctor Amazing. Is. Doctor Everything. He's the everyman. In a Coincidentally, way. there's still no first officer, right? Like I I was looking for that. No. Is she, it is it till is she's it she's a lieutenant now, but she's not like a commander. It's not. I know, but like, but like, your position and your rank. No, Ensign First Officer Tilly last have to season, right? Respond, do they? <laughs> David, <laughs> I'm so I'm so tired of it. I'm so I mean, I'm so freaking tired of it. I mean, I like it really bothers me now. Um, who 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 is? Because uh, we did have our yellow shirt, which <laughs> I, I I apologize, I don't remember his name, but he took he took command of the okay. ship a couple of times. Yeah, so I think that was that was that was. They've everybody's been prone to command lieutenant commander on the bridge, right? It's lieutenant commander Wusakun, lieutenant commander yeah. Detmer, lieutenant commander Reese, and then for some reason they felt the need to like, like send Lu- Bryce, lieutenant Bryce or lieutenant commander Bryce, who was the communications officer, lieutenant off somewhere else and bring in a different what it was. communications officer. Yeah. Yeah, like I didn't understand the need for that, and they have the one scene. Hey, maybe it's because the actor has to leave or something. I don't know. But, like, yeah, it was Lieutenant Reese, who's our tactical officer, who took over the center seat. Um, but I, I didn't know if that was because Tilly was off the ship as well, right? And, like, anyway, but last season we saw before Tilly got promoted, it right. was Lieutenant Nilsson that took command when Saru and Burnham were off the ship. So what happened? Did she get like I yeah? 
The roles are nebulous. So yeah, how about that? Uh, uh, we were talking. Okay, so we were talking about earlier, like how, like season four, like there's been there were a lot of great changes in like other uh, Star Trek shows. Case in point with Deep Space Nine, right? Like uh, very end of season three, uh, Cisco becomes captain, and then pretty much episode one yes. by episode one of season four. It and everyone it changes. Like Jadzia, uh, I'm sorry, Dat, uh, Bashir, like they they oh, get yeah. their promotions. Like they all like bump up one essentially. But this was my complaint. Yet. Okay, like um, let's just camp out here for a second. This was like the the issue that I had, um, w- both with Discovery, and with Lower Decks. Why is everyone the same freaking rank? Like why is there no, like no diversity of rank? Like, everyone just now is all of a sudden a lieutenant commander. I don't know if that would actually fly on a bridge. Like, there should be, like, lieutenants, lieutenant commanders, right? A, a, command, a full commander mm-hmm. on the bridge. There needs to be a diversity of roles. Yeah. And, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just going to go there now. Like, um, I'm still, like, they redesigned the uniforms, which I think I'm okay with. But... What is so darn special about a captain that you can easily tell a captain's rank, but you have to like wait for dialogue to know what someone's actual rank is? Like, commander. Com- yeah, you can't see because well, the lighting. There are pips. Like, just if like every hidden. like look, like really everyone's got them. like their little yeah. um, collar choker thing. Just I, I, I didn't know choker, anybody choker was promoted thing, right? until Tilly said. Yeah, they they were talking in that. I didn't know because I couldn't see rank insignia. I didn't it, see it. Put it on the personally. collar. I mean, if you want. Yeah. If you, I mean, if well, you want to like make, make the visible, captain special, okay, bigger. fine. Give him the two uh, matching epaulets. That's fine. But like, use the collar choker like to have like the pips so I can identify easily if you're an ensign, you're lieutenant JG, you're a commander, you're a lieutenant commander, whatever. That's fine. Look, look, let, let, let me just take the bullet on this one for you guys and point out the fairly obvious. What this is, is a social experiment. Star Trek has always had a military component to it. Yes, they have. A ranking system. It yeah. is what it is. Starfleet was a military organization with a heavy scientific contingent. That's what it was. Yes, you are scientists, but you are also a part of a military hierarchy. That has not, for last season and now I believe going forward or at least from what I'm seeing now is not conceivably the aim of this show they are attempting to make it look more amalgamous for the same points we made last season that this is more of a in quotations family a flotilla of amalgamous people who are diverse in who they are but they don't focus on the diversity in rank because on the ship rank effectively means nothing, but that doesn't leave you any room for advancement. What the hell does making Lieutenant mean on discovery? It doesn't mean anything at that point, you know, uh, uh, Adira. So she's an ensign now, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What's her motivation to uh, rise in the ranks, to excel. 
she just naturally would have to do that. But like, what what is the in quotations payoff? Because we've seen in episodes of like Next Gen with with the lower deck guys where they're all fighting it out for that lieutenant promotion, you know, which I thought was a cool episode. Although I really hated that they killed did off they that yeah. that the the Bajoran uh, officer, which I, I I didn't get it, but whatever. It was. It was still a good episode. Tragic element. But they were all, you know, fighting for this next rank because it's exciting. It's more responsibility. It's it's showing that you have achieved something. That does not seem to be the aim of this show, to show achievement. They're showing diversity, but they are not showing the pursuit of achievement, Mm -hmm. which I feel is a mistake. That's just me. Again, don't hate me for it. I just feel it's a mistake. I think that that's a missing component here. And like I said, yeah, I feel like that's a the good first point. officer is one of the most important positions on a ship from the time of wooden vessels that traveled the America or the, 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 the world oceans, the earth oceans, all the way up through all of these Star Trek shows. There's somebody that the captain confides in. You have those uh, ready room conversations. Uh, it's somebody who can... Um, kind of counterman the captain if they're going crazy. But in this structure, who is going to counterman Michael Burnham when they're all sitting there smiling and laughing along when they all almost died twice in this episode? Where is where is the potential for well, I mean, a check in balance? It's not there, in right. my opinion. Sure. But I, I, I love the first officer because there's so... Uh, think about like the... Well, the dynamic between Janeway and Chakotay, that was contentious, and then it, they became friends, and then they still had problems, and then they, they worked together. It goes on and on and on. Right. The, the, uh, Kirk and Spock, they had this whole lifelong friendship, and it started from Spock being his, 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 his number one on the Enterprise and just going from there. So, Right. Well, one thing, I mean, I don't want to derail what you said, man, by, by any means. You make excellent points, and I, I agree, I do agree with you with what you're saying. Like, where is the, the merit, the demonstration of skill and ability to propel you forward type of thing? I, I, I hear that. The only, the only thing I'll push back against is with um, Adira. Like, we, we remember it last season we met her um, serving as part of the Earth Defense Force. So she has some kind of military... Um, like working in like an organizational structure, hierarchy, whatever chain of command thing. So to me, like that's an easier sell. That's an easier thing for me to to buy into for her becoming an ensign. Like she's having to start over. We don't know what her rank was with um, the Earth Defense Force. But like to me, that makes a lot more sense than just saying, Owo, Detmer, Rice, Reese, you're all lieutenant commanders. I mean, just because you all almost die doesn't mean you deserve to be a lieutenant commander. I mean, everyone almost dies in almost every single episode of freaking Star Trek, period. But you don't see promotions being handed out willy-nilly. And to, to be clear, I don't have a problem with Adira being an ensign. My problem is, is what is her... What, what, would, what would be... What and it's just because... It's just, yeah, it's just because she is the ensign mentioned. It could be anyone. It could be nameless, faceless ensign. What is, what is their drive to achieve the next rank on this ship? Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I just want to, I just listen. I just want to stop us right here before like people yell at us. We are calling Adira oh, Sorry, y'all. And Blue Del Barrio yeah. her. That's that's true. I just, I just want to, in case people are, are you know. But like, I'll just say, if we're camping out on Adira here for a moment, I really did not like what they did with her character later on when we get to like. The, the the problem of the problem of the week, right? And they made her into like nerd. I said her, sorry. They made them into like nervous Nelly. And I I don't know if you, but like that to me didn't fit. And I really no, that was I really that was very much did a not like departure from um from that character from last season. Uh, uh, Adira was exceedingly confident. And I mean, I mean, awkward at times, sure, but very sure of themselves, and but also friendly and willing to help out. And this was just like, like a, a like, just turn on a dime type of thing. And I, I don't know if it has to be because like you know they're an ensign now, and they have something to quote unquote prove, or I, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, based on based on that conversation we had, I don't know if they have anything to prove, but I mean, you you get the idea. Mm-hmm. Good old after right, effects. Opening credits. Here roll them. Okay. I mean, no, I just want to say something about these opening credits. There were about twenty or thirty people listed as. Producer, executive producer, co-executive producer, supervising producer. It was ridiculous. Like, I mean, you wonder why a show might feel like it's all over the place and there are six different directions this one episode is trying to be pulled in. Because there's a yeah. crap ton of producers. Like, it, like, one voice, right? You need one voice. With maybe one person to say, hey, whoa, let's pull that back in. <laughs> but I don't know if anybody noticed that, but I noticed that, like, yeah, the I don't producer credits went on for a long time. And, and, that's what I was going to say. Uh, like, Steve I don't Martin remember ever seeing that prior to this. And just a producer, not an executive producer. I don't either. Which usually, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, right, yeah. Part of, like, some deals that you have, like, with, like, your top build actor part of like the perk is being listed as an executive producer from time to time yeah you see that a lot like like Kiefer Sutherland on 24 became a producer I'm pretty sure James Gandolfini on the Sopranos like um, John Hamm on Mad Men mm-hmm. you see that all the time William Peterson on CSI I don't know about David Caruso I would assume David Caruso because <laughs> you just talked about it yes the other day <laughs> Which, by the way, I've been uh, watching CSI Vegas, the revival of CSI. It's, it's not bad. It's not bad. William Peterson is is a is a producer on that too. Yeah. So so listen. So listen, listen. Roll credits, end credits. This this scene on Kaminar, all the scenes on Kaminar, beautiful, are it's probably beautiful. my favorite scenes of this entire episode. Right. I mean, I. I 
I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I read that they're using the same they are. like technology that they used for the Mandalorian to build this set with all like mm-hmm. the virtual wall. I think they call it the volume on the Mandalorian. I don't know if it, they're still calling it the volume here, but it's that same technology, and it looks stunning. Like we we mentioned, there was some bad CGI. This is not what we're talking about because this this looks stunning here. We go underwater into this scene, and the Ba'ul and the and the Kelpians are working together, and they've created some council, and they're trying to decide: should they just keep the Dilithium for themselves and hoard it, or should they go back out into the become a, a you know part of the galactic community again? And and Saru is yep. like the elder on the council now. Right, and he makes this really good speech about how we're just islands yeah. in the yeah. stream. Right, I I really enjoyed that whole scene right um, there with I'm gonna, these Kelpians. I, I, and I'm about, gonna get like stuff thrown at me for this, but uh, whenever I was watching the premiere, uh, one of the comments that I put in the chat box with everyone that was watching um, was, you know, I'm really digging the USS. Um, uh, time sh- the the relativity timeship uh, uniforms that the Kelpians were wearing in this particular. I mean, like the <laughs> the clothes look very re- like relativity esque. I mean, it's 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 kind of close, right? Like we're off by like two or three hundred years from from when the relativity was around. But hey, you know, it, it's fine. It's fine. Um, no, but no, the 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 shots, the scenes, the interactions, the all the Kaminar stuff uh, was was gorgeous and. I was still a little freaked out seeing the Ba'ul. Um, like, they're just like... Yeah. Little... Yeah, they're, they're a little creepy, like, mud... Yeah. Oil yeah. slick creature things. Apparently they All can right, swim yeah. now, too. <laughs> they're like Gungans, apparently. Or... or um, uh, Mon Calamar. Admiral yeah. Akbar species. The, the thing that I we would, invite you to yeah. this council, but we do not grant you the entrance into the council chambers. <laughs> yeah. What? Swim. It's unfair. Well, that's like that's like that's like yeah. that Clone Wars episode oh, arc, right? Oh, Where they're in the underwater council, stop. right? <laughs> hey. Okay. All right. All right. Moving on. Right. That, I just want to say I really enjoyed Kaminar. Right. Okay, but yeah, Kaminar was great. Kaminar was great. Uh, yeah. Should we talk? Do you, do you want to talk about um, going to uh, back to Starfleet Command headquarters? Yeah, let's. Yeah, yeah. David said he had something to talk about with the president's speech here. Well, I mean, it was just it was a um, it it felt like there was a line. A, like a line slip, like you should have redid this scene with her. Uh, I was actually normally when I do these, I like to pull up the episode and kind of watch along. So I was gonna try and get to that point. But I mean, if you just if you just start off, there's this uh, whole thing with Burnham, you know, trying to buck the politicians. You know, no, oh, just trying to like take a piece of. She's the president mm-hmm. yeah the president's gonna be there for the reopening of the academy and the rededication of 
it's been a long road. Uh, you know, the freaking star station out there, you know, the dry dock, <laughs> the, the Jonathan Archer dry dock. I just, I, I would have, nah, they played a little bit of music there, but I would have really laughed if they played that Rod Stewart song. That would just, it, it, just everybody's just sort of looking around. It's like, what is, what is that? What is that music? What's going on here? But no, I mean, I actually kind of like this, this president here. I actually kind of like her. And yeah, the, oh, I think she. I, think I, she's I probably won't be able to find it though. Once, once I get out, there, there was just there was just a part where she starts talking. It just felt like that felt like a little bit of a slip. You probably could have just re-recorded the scene, maybe. But at any rate, you know, she's somebody that kind of you know she has her little little joke thing. Decent little speech after Burnham does her speech and every and whatnot, but throughout the episode, she really became the more interesting part of this entire show for me because it, it is a almost like yeah. like somebody in the writers' room said, you know, there's this pretty great Star Trek podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, they do a lot of Twitter polls. Yeah, they, they seem to not have a. They didn't have a good time in season three. And all the reasonings that we complained about, she's like almost a direct analog of that, which is hilarious to me. It's like it's almost like somebody in that writer's room among that large producer list is just like, yeah, but you know, we, you know, not everybody likes it. No, I like I, I like the president, this Federation president, and of course the, like of course she's gonna be at the the opening of Starfleet Academy again. Like I don't understand what Michael Burnham has a problem with that. That's like dumb. But anyway, like it's this is like where I said at the beginning there were so many cliches in this, and like okay, so there's there's a we learn there's a problem, deep space beta six whatever something like that needed to they needed to go there right and the president like i'd like to tag along yeah i yeah i want to go i'm gonna check that box (laughs) and it's like Montgomery's like no you can't come on my ship i'm like girl i'm the president of the federation i will go on this mission if i want to and then Admiral Vance is like, she doesn't need your permission. That's one for the dad, Admiral. <laughs> but, but it's like, but it's like, you knew right away that this was going to be the cliched, who's in command here? Am I in command? Are you in command? Are you relieving me of command? Are you going to let me do my job? If not, if you're not going to let me do my job, if you're, if you're not, like, let me do my job, right? And it was just like, okay. I liked some of the things that the president said. That her, she gave a decent little speech. It wasn't a great speech. It wasn't, you know, rousing. Didn't make me want to go join the academy. But like later on, they have a they have a discussion, which I'm yeah. like 100% behind the president in the discussion later on. But like, I was like, ah, as soon as she said, I'm tagging along. I was like, do we have to do this? Are you going to relieve me of command? Are you going to let me do my job? And I just like, I rolled. Well, the, the, like, this, I, I rolled so hard. You could this hear it. is the problem, though, <laughs> with Michael's version of the Federation 
the way she thinks it is and the way the Federation actually is. One of the things that I do remember about that Burnham book, The Longest Year, as me and Chase dubbed that book, she uh, Burnham had received um, like a little hollow diary of uh, what's-his-name's Sahil. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Sahil's grandma and or something. And she had talked about like a fight with another politician from another planet mm-hmm. and talking about, you know, how do you hear the voice of every planet? How do you put one concern over another? How do you create that sort of um, best fit for everyone? Because every planet's going to be a little different. And it was it, it, it's it's interesting because that is as much the Federation as you know the Starfleet that we always see. There's a Starfleet, and then there's the Federation, and the Federation is politics because the only way all these planets can stay together is through talking, is through uh, some sort of common goal that they work towards, uh, general goodwill. But you can't have that without people who specialize in that. It's not always great. It's not always going to work every time, but the continued drive to do that is what makes it work. It's not Starfleet. You can't have one without the other is what I'm saying. And to have a strong president is a really good step, but to completely want to disregard this president as just a politician makes me feel like Michael doesn't really understand what the Federation is. But but in, and then it goes back to what she said, like, well, in the last season's premiere, the Federation isn't just ships and exploration; it's a shared vision and understanding. It's like she, it's like she does understand, but like anytime anyone contradicts her, they're wrong and she's right because she has this holier than thou attitude that is. You know, I don't like know what I was saying. I, I love these points and mentality. there's. There's something that's kind of coming to mind, and and I, I don't want to like deflate this at all because like there's a point to what I'm about to say, but um, something that that um, that I'm teaching my students like that we have this ongoing conversation with is counseling as an art versus counseling as a science, and it's like on this continuum essentially, where yes you have to know the formulas, you have to know the skills, and like how they and like how to do them, what the what their purpose is and stuff like that, but at the same time like you have to know like like you have to trust yourself like your intuition like who you are like in the seat whenever you're sitting with your client type of thing and the formulas and stuff they're going to come they're going to come in their own way but you have to know them type of thing and like part of part of what we're talking about with this conversation is like that's essentially what what's happening here is you know however michael you know, develops as a captain, essentially what she's doing is she's relying on formulas, essentially. Um, and and hold, hang, hang on for a second with this. Like, in the sense that she knows what the right answer is, but it's, like, executing it. I know I've been joking about execute, but, like, how, how does she execute it? Like, she knows the right words to say, but it's, it's integrating it to where the formula and the art, like the science and the art come together with her as a as a uh, Starfleet officer in this new federation, that's my point. Um, that's that's what's happening. So she's very um, 
much an emerging officer, essentially, which is kind of weird because like she ascended to the rank of, of uh, commander and she was like Georgiou's um, number one, um, the very beginning of this show, very beginning. So I don't know, I don't know what y'all think about that, like with that rambling that I was just having. Like if you agree, disagree, or no, yeah, I mean, I, I, th I think we're all kind of making the same general point there. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's a good way to illustrate it. One, um, before we before we move on yeah. to the you know the transporting onto the um, the discovery from from the academy presentation, I gotta say, y'all, um, I'm a sucker for Enterprise. Like I know Enterprise doesn't get enough love, but like hearing. You know Archer's theme, and like there's an Archer space dock kind of thing where they're. But like, hold on, hold on, like, like I want, I want to talk about this. Hold on, we criticized like lower decks for all the little Easter egg things and the name dropping. Like, do we need to be that same in that same critical mode here with the name dropping and the Easter eggs? Because you're like. Oh, I love it now, but I hate it in in lower decks. Is that is I'm, that our our bias I'm just I showing? Liked it. That's all I'm saying. I just yeah, well, I, 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 oh okay, well, all right. Like, I feel like I feel like this is a thousand years after Jonathan Archer, right? Maybe eleven 1 hundred years. Shouldn't he have already had a space dock named after him? I mean, at he some did. point, he did become the president of the Federation. Shouldn't you've already had stuff named well, after him? Well, what if they named it the Zephram Cochran space dock? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, he had a bunch of stuff. Uh, named uh, yeah, after my, him. my only, my only, I, I guess, sort of rebuttal to that is the, the problem with lower decks is it was just always like it felt like a mile a minute, like trying to again stuff Star Wars and or Star Trek in Star Trek. Um, whereas this, it's like, oh yeah, Jonathan Archer yeah. Okay. space dock. Yeah, it's like Jonathan Archer High School or JFK it, High School. You know, just like something more accessible. You know, it, to times. And the thing, the thing with this is like, it's not that it was just to throw an Easter egg in or to um, try and play out a joke or anything like that. We got to remember, like, what the Federation, what Starfleet had been going through the last, what would they say, 100, 125 years, basically, like with like all the burn stuff. So they haven't been able to like focus on like what made the fleet, the fleet. So part of this, part of the dedication with, with Archer is like the, you know, uh, President Rillick um, saying we need to refocus on our mission of, of science and exploration and boldly going and et cetera, et cetera, that Right, and like, and what so better example of a pioneer doing that than, you know, bringing that pioneer forward a thousand years as like a new launching point, metaphorically and quite literally. Um, the, sure, yeah, yeah. I just I just had to bring that up in case... The, less the only heavy-handed part of that, if you could say it was heavy-handed, was playing the theme. Because you could have put any sort of ambient music in there and it yeah. would have been fine but to put the little theme in there mm -hmm. could be considered heavy-handed yeah. maybe this was actually my favorite part of the entire episode was yeah. the art was like <laughs> the well, archer you, space dock you, you didn't like the president's <laughs> mother of dragons uniform though oh my god you stole my freaking thunder i've been trying to get to that yeah 
<laughs> like, okay, look. I didn't even notice. Ex- I, made, I made the joke on the last episode That's about exactly my titles. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. It's like David was talking about how his title keeps getting longer and longer, like freaking Mother of Dragons. And then this episode pops up, and I'm like, dang it, David, here we go. <laughs> Oh, dude, it's like straight up like at her final outfit. season or two of a freaking Danny <laughs> from yeah. it, 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 it like with like the spiky yeah. elbow thing, the little yeah, like half cape, cape yeah. sash thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I wanted to point something out for oh. Eric because I know how much okay. he would love it. Uh, whenever President Rillick like went up to the balcony to the nosebleed section and um looks at looks at the discovery crew man like those those uh, dress uniforms that they're wearing looked a little bit too much like mirror universe i'm just saying <laughs> look like some terran empire uniforms inspired uniforms did you think that too or no <laughs> no i i try not to think about the mirror universe okay. as much it, it, as, as little as possible I, I hope this show. I hope this show is done with that. Like, literally, like, done with that. Unless we're going to the mirror universe to steal their dilithium, which would be a bad it's idea. It's like the most the drab thing too. It's it's gray. It's not even like a smart black or anything. Or like, there's people in the background that have the gray, but they also have some blue or something like that. Now nah, the crew's just, yeah, just throw them in the whatever gray thing you got. It's Heather Gray. You know, it's it's not quite gray. It's not quite black. It's fine. Do the thing. Just, yeah. just do, do the thing. No, look, the uniforms, I got to say, the uniforms look nice, okay? I like, I do like the, um, I like Burnham's dress uniform. I think that's really smart looking. I like it a lot. Um, the cadet uniforms. I do like the cadet uniforms. Only thing I'm a little, like, confused on is, like, they're all blue with, like, random, like, protruding like collar things or, and like I don't know um, like why all blue why, why, why all blue it, does, it doesn't matter Just, I'm going to leave that alone but I, I like I like the uniforms um, so far um, and even a little bit later on when we uh, when we get to um, a space station uh, part of the story um, reu- essentially reusing the uniforms from last year for um for the station uniforms, which I thought was like a good callback between like TNG, DS9 right, yeah. um, type uniforming. So the fact that we didn't just completely throw them away, that we were able to dif- dif- differentiate and give them like a new life, new purpose, like with a little bit of, of tweaking was good. Um, yeah, like, yeah, where, where everything basically so the happens from here. Like everything is just not, well, everything happens from here. So we can go to like to. Black alert, we can go to warp speed on this one. Yeah, so we 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 uh, we spore we spore jump to this base station that deep space beta six that somehow is spinning out of control and we gotta solve the problem. We gotta science our way out of it. We a lot of I techno it, babble here. A lot of techno babble. <laughs> I know it was fine. It was, it was a lot of techno babble. Um, they have to get in like the synchronous orbit around the station, and 
match speed of the spinning at 22 radians per second. I like that, right? <laughs> That's really fast, by the way. Anything per 22 second 22 radians fast, as per far second. As I'm concerned. <laughs> well, listen, listen. Two pi radians is one time around in a circle. And two pi is 6.28 radians. So if this is 22 radians a second, this thing is spinning almost three times around every second. That's super fast. That's exceedingly that's, that's fast. really fast. Like, that's almost three complete rotations in one that's second. That's why I let you do the math, and I don't. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was like, wow, when I heard that. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, so, yeah, they got a beam over Tilly and Adira, the two best engineer scientists on the ship, because why not? Tilly was an ensign, a, a, a cadet, a year mm -hmm. ago, right? In her time, right? Or a little over a year ago in her time, and Adira's an ensign, right? But those are the two best scientists, engineers, We'll just send them over to fix it. We don't have any, even though Discovery's a science vessel, we don't have any other good scientists or engineers to send over. That's fine. I'm okay with that, right? <laughs> I'm okay with that because they're, they're part of the main cast, so they go over and, right, gravity is messed up on the station and everything's upside down. I'm okay with that, too. That, that was cool at first. It was a little disorienting at first, but... D-Space Beta-6 captain guy is like, don't mm -hmm. you dare touch my station. I'm fixing Leave this. Leave it alone. <laughs> Leave it alone. Yeah. And then I have a – listen, I have a really big problem with what happens next. Like, so incoming methane meteor shower, right? Let's extend our shields over this entire space station. Can we really do that? Has a ship ever really done that before? Like, I don't know how big this space station is. Probably just a little tiny research station. But also, trying to stop said meteor, its full force and full momentum, is really difficult. It would be much easier to just deflect these pieces around the station rather than to try and take their full force into your shields. Like, it's not very good science of you. And, and whenever one of these little asteroid things hits our shield, even though our shields are up and our shields started at full strength, the first time any one of these things hits our shields, there was boom, some pretty spectacular bridge. fire like, on that bridge, really? man. There was, <laughs> there was a lot of fire on this bridge. <laughs> and it was like instantaneous fire on the bridge. It Even was just with good spouting out everywhere, man. So somebody in that pyrotechnics <laughs> department was like, "Yeah, fire! Man. It's my turn. Fire!" <laughs> I was I was watching the vents by the um, by the turbo lift or whatever, and I was like, "Wow, that's that's good. That's like a, that's a lot of fire coming through those vents, man." Um. There's an overload. Lot, yeah, no fire. S word. Stamets, we we got fire up here. We know there's venting. We know there's a blowout. Come on, man. Uh, I'm trying. So the the guy on um on the the station, 
commander. He was he was a commander, um, but I missed the name. Yeah, Nallis. Um, did we ever hear where he was from? Because he looked kind of familiar. I think they said that, didn't they? Yeah, they, the president really talked about his planet. I can't remember the name of it. Right? Because she, like, bluffed, bluffed her way mm-hmm. about being mm-hmm. to the, like, the geyser, right. the the whatever, the hot spring. She, she yeah, she calmed down a volatile situation. Hmm. Wonder why nobody else could do that. Gee, I mean, I mean, dead serious. Like, how many times have we just yeah, seen so progressively where sometimes you just have to like show some empathy towards people and just talk them down. You just have to talk to them. It's like, again, this crew just really does not know how to talk. It's like either barking order or I don't know, just going around them, you know. And then the president is the one voice of reason. Did she lie? Probably. But it doesn't matter. He got She got him to put down a phaser that he was pointing at Tilly and Adira. And then they were, well, success is not the word I would use. But <laughs> I mean, it turned out mostly well. Well, yeah, like, I also, like, I mean, less, like... So we had a we gotta escape from the the station, but we don't have EVA suits, so we can't get to the escape pod. So there's one emergency thing on this one deck, but it's like stuck, so they have to remove the debris from the outside. And like Burnham's like, yeah, I'll take the worker bee and really? I'll go do it. And the president's like, <laughs> excuse me, captain, captain. Captain, <laughs> should you be leaving the bridge right now during red alert? Like, is that really what you should be doing? And she's like, are you questioning my questioning orders? In order. Asking yeah. a question is not questioning, right? And I'm just like, like, she's being the voice of reason here. Like, again, if there was a first officer, a strong first officer, let's say, let's say, for instance, Jean-Luc Picard, wanted to go take a worker bee out and clear some debris and oh. imagine what will yeah, commander say to by him the way in that and first instance. officer like <laughs> first first even first yeah. season will Riker would come yeah, out full like, force on that in in a minute like no you ain't so, no bro. you ain't you can <laughs> no, take that ain't. tea earl gray hot and you can you can but shove it no you are not going out there But like, like, Burnham's like, I- I'm the most qualified person. I've logged the most hours in this. I've done this the most. I'm the only logical choice. No, you're not. You have a crew. That's why you have a crew to do these things. So you are the captain. You can be there and run the ship while you let your crew do their jobs. You are not the only person that is capable of doing things on this ship. She may be the only person capable of doing things in the show, right? The show has to make her the last action hero, right? But, like, you should not be doing this. You should not be doing this. And she almost dies. Yeah, in a a great crash test dummy uh, commercial spot. 
That that's somebody who got a new iPhone 13 and was I like, hated, I hated that. Oh my god, I can do cinematic slow mo on a gimbal, <laughs> and then we can do, and then we can do cinematic cut out the noise where all you see is the people like just talking, but you can't hear anything. Like, it, God, like I, I, I don't know about you guys. I don't, I I don't like think that the cinematics that. in this episode li- have lived up to the prior three seasons worth of cinematics it's almost like they decrease the budget but if i can i want to make two quick points one there is a mourn creature on that yes, station there is. yes there is which which i found yes alluring. i saw that yep Allur- I, I just Allur- Allurian. they're called that's mourn mourn's at the bar yeah, mourn's 900 born. years in the future it's all mourn <laughs> yeah we, yeah, we saw Morn yeah, last exactly. season get blow, get blown up, right? I want to make one point, though. Burnham shot him. There's a huge difference between a leader and a manager. So, you know, I, I've legitimately led people for, for many years, manage people, lead people. But there is a difference between a leader and a manager. And the, the president is clearly very well aware of this. And, and again, we'll talk about that as it goes along. But a leader has to be able to trust and identify the strengths of your crew, team, whatever. Delegation, in a lot of cases, is just as important because if you constantly do everything for people, they will never be able to do it themselves. Right. If somebody under me comes like say they have a question about procedure my first question to them is okay so have you looked at a guide have you looked at the system have you searched an answer when people bring problems to me i expect them to bring the problem but also a potential solution and a couple of examples of of the problem because that's the only way that we are going to be able to work through it in this case it doesn't matter if she's logged more hours. I mean, technically, Picard being older would probably have logged more hours than, say, I don't know, any red shirt, you know, on the con. It doesn't matter. But the fact of the matter is you are in command of the ship. You have to make command decisions. You have to trust the people under you to do their job, which they are trained for. And if they never get the opportunity to do it, they'll never learn. They'll never progress. They'll never get better. It's bad leadership, unfortunately. Now, I understand why you take command. Like, I'll do it. It's not a great, it's not a great leadership method. Well, yeah, yeah. That, that whole point you brought up, but you talked about, just reminds me of a, a really good Voyager episode in season seven. It's called Nightingale. And it's Ensign Harry Kim, still an ensign, never led a mission, and he wants to lead a mission. This is his mission. Don't send Tuvok along. Don't send Bolana Torres along. Don't send Tom Paris along, because they all outrank me, right? This goes back to Chase talking about rank, right? They all outrank me. So I won't be in charge here, because rank matters, right? So, So Harry Kim gets to take control, like, what they think is a medical ship, right? And But Seven of Nine goes along because she's got experience, but she doesn't have a rank. And so it's Harry Kim's mission. And, and on this mission, 
there's the crew of this medical ship. They're not Voyager crew, but there's the other crew. And um, Harry Kim is trying to do every job on the bridge. And, like, instead of the people, they don't know how to do things right away that he wants. He's like, I'll stand aside. I'll do it. I'll do it. And he's, he's doing all the jobs. And, um, and Seven of Nine comes up and says, I see a serious flaw with this crew, with one particular member of the crew. And Harry's like, who's that? Seven of Nine's like, the captain. He's like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm doing everything. I'm working my butt off. And he's like, but you're not, you're not letting people do their jobs. And she brings up this story. He's like, when you first came on Voyager, you were a senior officer right away, even though you were an ensign. And Janeway let you do your job. Is it because you could do operations better than Janeway? He's like, no, Janeway could definitely have done my job better than I could at that point. But she <laughs> wanted me to learn. Exactly. And, like, so Seven gets Harry Kim to realize that yeah. here. And that's exactly what you're talking about now. Like, you have yeah. to let people do their jobs to learn. If you always try to, like, do things for them, you know, one thing that, they'll, never, um, they'll never learn. They'll never get better. To, I guess, drive the point home even more, when I was in, uh, when I was an Air Force cadet, one of the first, um, we did these things called lead labs, which is where we would, like, you know, focus on, like, leadership development, team development, uh, military decorum, stuff like that, basically. And we went up to um, this, like, mock uh, barracks of sorts um, in, in the building that we, we um, had all the different uh, member, you know, services in. And I remember I was, um, I was a first-year cadet, and for whatever reason, they put me in charge. Like, they made me, like, the flight commander or the squadron commander, something like that, for whatever reason. And... I had to like be. Re I had to report to the wing commander, who was the actual wing commander for our our detachment, um, and I also had to make sure that like the mission, which was like so innocuous, it was like you know lining up boots and like putting socks and like making sure like certain pieces of clothing were like folded in such a way and you know like positioned like properly basically, and and like you had to get all this crap done, and. I was like getting in there, like trying to help out the flight when um, I'd have like a group commander or a, or a wing commander coming up to me like, you know, Cadet McKinney, you know, report. And I was like too much in the weeds with what was going on that I couldn't give an accurate response, which again, like when you were like, there, I think there's a balance between wanting to be there for, in this case, like your flight or in the case of Star Trek, your ship. But if you're too much in it, you don't you don't have the vision to really understand all the moving parts, to appreciate everything that's going on, so you can think clearly and think beyond rather than just like forest for the trees type of thing. So that's right. Yeah, that's right. Head chef so, can't sorry be for that, but like I mean, this is a good discussion. This is a good discussion. Yeah. Though. <laughs> <laughs> but I, w I will say just one more thing to wrap before we go forward. I, I do think that that's the whole point of this episode. Like, I really think that they are trying to drive it home as hard as possible. And I know, Chase, you, you've already seen the second episode, and I, I would never ask in any continuation. But I actually hope that they work on that character development with Burnham. Because that's the same... It's the one thing that we can... That I, I, I won't speak for you guys. I know I wanted to see last season. 
I wanted to see her. If you're going to make her captain, if you're going to tear her down, build her back up, build it better. Like, make her the captain that she should be. Not kind of this politician hating, do my own thing sort of deal. Like, make make her a captain. Mm-hmm. I think that's asking too much for the show. Right. At this at this moment in time. I mean, we're we're three seasons into this and and we haven't gotten any of that yet. I think you're asking too much of this show. I think the writers have a totally different vision for Michael Burnham than the no. Michael Burnham. But, both but all you I'm saying is I like there's one writer see. or a producer in there that I think is because this this really does drive and even more with the president later on it really does drive this point down right. it's like a very blunt hammer on a nail just like hey did you hear it yet did you hear it yet did you hear it yet and like I said you're probably I hope you're not right but you're probably right I think that per- I think that right I think that writer is Michelle yeah. Paradise by so the do way. you want to talk about do you want I think it, I think it is I think Michelle is the head writer you think so yeah, but okay. Well, you think but she's like, the showrunner. I do. You think like, she's the like, one who wants to change Michael Burns? She. It seems. It seems like she has a much more clear head. I mean, okay. you got to remember, like Michelle Paradise came on a little bit later, um, in 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 Discovery's development, right? Like, I think she came in, uh, like halfway into uh-huh. season two, maybe towards season three, honestly. Well, she was. She took so over go. as so, the yeah, showrunner like, for think the she, start of like, season three. Like the 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 stuff was already in motion for season three. So I think, like, just listening to her talk, like with in interviews and stuff like that, I think I think she's potentially that particular writer that's willing to you know make this point. And with with this discussion of the the Federation president, whenever I was like kind of teasing y'all, I think like uh, during Prodigy discussion or like some of our like you know pre-recording discussion stuff um, and I was saying like yeah there's a new character that I really like but I'm not going to say who it was this character like I, I love yeah. the Federation president yeah. so much yeah yeah so so I like this this like post-mission debrief they have right like I love this yeah. scene this is my favorite part of the entire episode like I like and like we're having this discussion I I would bet not the house, but pretty close to the house, that the show wants us to take Michael Burnham's side in this discussion because this is the Michael Burnham show and she's always got to be right. I would bet not quite the house because I do see a little bit of what you're saying of there's somebody in that writer's room that is like, hey, can we change this? But Me too. I totally took Me the too. Federation president's Same. side in this entire discussion, right? Totally. Like, she's like, what does she say? She, she says, I read your, your psych profile, your, your evaluation when you came back in, and you suffered such a great loss when you were young, and then you didn't get a chance to grieve because you were raised Vulcan, and it was, like, shut down. She didn't say that, but I always add that in because I think that's important right she suffers a loss and doesn't get to grieve or process it because she has to be Vulcan raised Vulcan right and then she has a pathological need to save everybody and Burnham's like I don't see that as a negative 
Like, of course, that's a negative. Mm-hmm. Like, if you if you command, absolutely, you're going to lose people. Like, it's you cannot save. I know it would be a great. It's a great ideal to aspire to to not lose any. No, of course, nobody who right. commands men, men in the general sense, right, wants to lose anybody. But you you just it's not practical. It's not feasible. Like you can't save everybody, and and uh, and what she calls it like this mission, like a pyrrhic victory, which I love that. I love that she dropped that line. It's like a victory so costly that it might as well be a defeat. And and like she says, Michael Burnham, you're not ready for command. Like you may be able to command this ship because of the heroics that you've done in the past. But you're really not ready to command. You're not yeah. the hot shit that you think you are. That's exactly what she's saying. That's exactly like she doesn't what she's use saying. Those words, but that's and what she's saying here, right? Like you, like you need a reality check here, and 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 like I kept thinking about this episode. She says they they bring up the Kobayashi Maru, and I'll let you guys get in here with your thoughts on the Kobayashi Maru here. It's you know it's a the no win situation. But the idea is you have to be able to accept the no-win situation, right? That's the lesson, right, is acceptance. And that is the whole point of, like, Captain Kirk never learned that lesson of, like, accepting failure. And he was like, I don't accept that there's a, not a no-win, but that's beyond the point. It's like you have to accept loss. And I kept thinking in my mind of this episode of The Next Generation yes. where Deanna yeah. Troy yeah. is yes. taking the bridge officer's exam and she's like she's studying and she's studying and she's doing like diagrams and engine schematics and she just she can't figure it out she can't pass this test and will Riker comes in and says i'm canceling the test you can study all you want you're not gonna pass it and then like the final solution that she finally comes up with is you have to order someone to their death essentially and so you have to accept that you have to be willing to do this and lose people. And that was what kept going through my mind here is that Michael Burnham's not at that point yet. And who knows if she'll ever get there, but that's the thing she needs to learn. And that's the point that the Federation president is trying to hammer home to her. And I hope that she does learn this. And I hope that she, I like, I want, I like, like Michael Burnham is not my favorite character. Like, I think that's pretty obvious over our season three discussion and whatever we've talked about of Discovery. But I hope, I want her to be a good character. Like, I don't want her to fail as a captain. I didn't want Saru to fail as a captain last year. He did, right? And I I started out, I had good complimentary things to say about him. And then when he started to fail, I said he's failing. And Michael Burnham's been failing. But I want her to be a good captain. I want my Star Trek show to have a good captain. And I think we're in this era of Star Trek where we don't have good captains right now, right? Saru was like, Saru was not a good captain last year. Burnham right now is not a good captain. Carol Freeman is not a good captain. And I just, I'm, I want good captains, and I want Michael Burnham to be that good captain. And maybe she yeah. can. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. One and thing it's that, frustrating. Um, it's so frustrating. I don't. I look. I haven't watched the Ready Room on this particular episode yet. So if it's, if it's, uh, if it was said there, okay. Um, one of the, one of the interviews that, that took place, uh, 
right around when this was happening in the premiere, I believe it was with Michelle Paradise, was this conversation of um, like playing out this um, like this uncertainty uh, kind of component. Like, what do you do when you're kind of uncertain of yourself, but you still have to like show up and show out kind of thing? And that's the general idea behind, I think, what's happening right now, essentially, with uh, with with Michael Burnham, like she was apprehensive when Vance said, like, we want you to take the discovery from Saru, basically. Like, Saru's on Kaminar. Like, let him be. We, we, we need a decision like uh, yesterday, essentially. Um, which I, th- I think every good leader has a degree of uncertainty um, in accepting a, a position of, of power because they don't know how they may or may not handle power. Um, or their own ability to trust themselves when they're in power. So I like the idea of what they might be doing, essentially, but um, it's, it's kind of weird. Now, those were the two... So the, the Deanna Troy piece, like where she's taking the bridge officer um, test, the, the bridge officer exam, that was exactly what I was thinking. Same thing, like thinking about the Kobayashi Maru, not just because it's the name of the episode, but like... I mean, Discovery, when, when it first aired in 2017, we were told this takes place roughly 10 years prior to the adventures of Kirk and company on, on Kirk 1701. So there had to have been, there had to have been an actual Kobayashi Maru that um, Michael Burnham actually went through at Starfleet Academy. There had to have been. Full stop. There had to have been. So for her to completely or potentially just con- conveniently forget about well, the Kobayashi well, well, Maru well, 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 well. purpose is very, it, that speaks very poorly of her now that she's actually in the center seat. Not just in the center seat, but the fact that she occupied a first officer well, position as a commander with Giorgio. Yeah, Eric. The, See, that's the, what I was about Michael to say Burnham because she just kind of got Starfleet dropped Academy? off. I don't think she, I don't think she, she did. Was. I don't think she... Because she was in the Vulcan Science Academy, right? And and she got, like, dropped off onto the Shenzhou. I don't think she ever went to Starfleet Academy, so maybe so she, she didn't take the Kobayashi So if she didn't, then this is her Kobayashi I suppose. Um, but, like, the fact is, like, she knows that it's real. Because she says that to uh, President Rillick. Like, it's very real. Like, it is a real thing type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but even so, even, okay, whether she did or didn't, okay, take the Kobayashi Maru, let's just leave that alone for a second. She's a commander. She's a commander with, with Giorgio. For, yeah, presumably, because she for, was like being actively mentored time, by her to take over. And, like, are you telling me that as first officer, you didn't send people off to their doom? Well, look what happened to her. Anyway, I mean, she got her cop captain killed. So, how can I mean? Can you really rely on any of that experience? Honestly, I mean, just to be honest about it. Sure. But I, I, I will say that there's there's another parallel here with Tilly. I think Tilly doesn't want to be on Discovery anymore. 
I think that there is a lot of questions for people here. Because, like, when they were at their little post, yeah, reception. Mm-hmm. reception seemed like she reception. wanted to talk to Burnham about it. And then when they were on the station, and like, oh, Lieutenant, what are you doing? It's like, oh, God, I, I don't know. So I kind of wonder what her future is going to be on Discovery. And I think, I, and again, Eric, I think uh, I think me and you can both be very realistic about a lot of this. But I really, I, I really am starting to think that they are trying to build build out something a bit more within the Star Trek universe. I think that they are kind of trying to tear down the Burnham uh, podium. I, I hope so. And I even think that they're kind of trying to maybe knock the silly Tilly thing out as well. And that's not saying that I would like to lose her. I just would like to see her actually be a lieutenant and not just... She, she's very lost. Very lost right now, in my opinion. But with Burnham, this whole conversation, I don't think necessarily sticks here because she, she had some really childish comebacks, like the whole thing about... Really Even if you did uh, offer well, the ship to me, I wouldn't take it. Yeah, I wouldn't take it. Discovery's my home. It's like... Okay, it's your home until I order you somewhere else, lady. Yeah, <laughs> but it, I think I think if if I didn't say it, you guys probably said it or whatever. I think last season when they actually come upon what's the remnants of the Federation, I think busting this crew up would have been the best thing. Like just slicing it up and putting them in different ships under different commanders, captains, whatever, I think would have been legitimately the best thing. Yeah. I want to hammer home here with the, the Federation president. Michael Everything Burrow. blows up at the end. I think we have to go yeah. to Quajon, right? Everything think, blows up think, at the end. I think, but I think we got to go to Quajon first, right? Sure. We got to have a little, you know, coming of age man, Right a pass, right a passage ceremony, right? And like, listen, like, we went to Quajon for one episode last season, and um, Book's brother was a jerk the whole time. <laughs> right, granted, he was under a lot of pressure, but he was a jerk. <laughs> like, I don't know, I didn't really like him. I, I like, I, I like the idea of the ceremony. Like, it's a very Avatar esque, right? The, the Pandora planet, Pandora the moon, where everything's connected and this is the world tree, like they have home tree and all the vines are connected throughout the whole planet and the the roots here of this tree connect through all the planet and you take the sap and now you're connected to the planet. It's very Avatar-esque to me. I don't know if anybody else got those vibes. But yeah, they had a little cute ceremony and then birds start to go crazy right and book's got to go investigate before he gets knocked out in his ship right yeah absolutely yeah. which I like, mean, all this is like kind of happening like simultaneously at the same time that you know uh, burnham's getting like her her stern talking to essentially because like yeah. after after the quajon thing happens and then yeah it's this whole um, random, like beaming onto the bridge, essentially. Mm -hmm. 
So, um, and then of course we get the big reveal of like what happens along with like the random, like, um, what, what was it called? Like the um, spatial distortions, the gravimetric yeah. distortions yeah, or something like that. Gravimetric distortions. Yeah, right? they're, they're like kind of popping up. So anyway. You know, like essentially the producers wanted to go for shock value here. I think that's what they were going for. And they went full Alderaan on us, yeah. right? I mean, this was this okay. So I don't I don't know if this is like flirting with like evaluation piece or not, but like this just felt a lot like a um, almost like a rehash of Star Trek 2009 and Into Darkness all at the same time to me. Well, I mean, even at a more basic level, it's it's just a rehash of season three. Big problem that you have to fix. Big catastrophic and problem. Season two as well. Uh, true. Yeah. <laughs> kind yeah. of season one as well. <laughs> kind yeah. of. Well, you, you you can't you can't let the show be just a a show, just a weekly show. You can't let that happen. I, yeah, mean, I mean, my I God, mean, you could explore like so many planets and and like bringing people back in the fold and you could bring back, hey, we're going to the Tellarite planet to get them back in the fold and you could like relearn all this stuff. It'd be cool. But no, we have to have explodey death planet ga- gravimetric, whatever. No, and no, by like, the way, just one real quick thing. One sciencey term that I do want to be I, I wanted to be brought back and I thought about it earlier is the static warp shell. I don't know why, but I just want to hear that sometime. Random fact over. Please go, Eric. Okay, so so yeah, so this this season picks up five months after the last season ends. Yeah, right? that's a lot. Of, a lot of stuff happens in five months for. But but even yeah. even <laughs> even still, right? Discovery has spent these past five months reconnecting with all these planets and making these deliveries. That's the show I want to see. I want to see that. Yeah. I want to see Discovery reconnecting with these planets and, you know, healing some wounds and maybe there's some diplomacy issue we have to work up. Maybe we have to fight our way out. Maybe we have to help them solve some problem to show goodwill, kind of like we were doing at the beginning of this episode. But maybe it doesn't have to be in an antagonistic way. It could be we're working with them to figure out this sciencey problem Mm-hmm. to gain their goodwill. But mm-hmm. that's the show I want to see. I want to see those things. I don't need big exploding death planet like gravimetric distortion end of the galaxy because I've seen that and it's like you can't, every season can't be the end of the world. Like it, every the stakes can't be the end of all life as we know it, the end of the world as yeah. we know it the end of civilization as we know it because you can't just raise those stakes so high every time like i mean the avengers and the mcu does this right we have the huge you know the avengers right death death ending thing right the huge team up but like there's 12 there's 12 movies of build-up but then but then but then the next movie is a small movie like the next movie after that iron man it's like a small movie right Right, it's the it's small. Yet you, you have to, and I know a lot of people are like, well, the state, uh, the reason why Iron Man three is not a good movie is the stakes are so small after the Avengers. <laughs> but like, they have to be small, right? They have yeah. to be small. Everything right. can't be world-ending, life-altering problem. 
don't know. That's just that's what true. I feel. That's what I. That's how I feel. Well, well you. <laughs> <laughs> you need a breather. You need a breather. Is what you need. <sighs> and it makes you appreciate like those big team ups. Those be, those big, you know, galaxy ending conflicts even more essentially. Um, mm-hmm. Just, just, just because there's, it takes you know eight, nine episodes to get there doesn't mean that those are like those small adventures. Like it's one big giant cosmic mm-hmm. battle that you're, you're in, for ten hours. So, um, so yeah, we we have uh, freaking um, the Navi uh, connecting, doing their thing, and um, book comes back to the discovery, and yeah, we have freaking Alderaan and the Death Star uh, type event take place. And that's the show. Mm-hmm. It took us forever, but that's the show. Right. And it's like, it, it, it just felt so jarring at the end here. Like, you knew something bad was going to happen, like, when when Book's little nephew was like, why don't you wear your little sap necklace? That's a story <laughs> for another time. You knew, like, something bad is going to happen. We're never going to get that story for another time. But, like, this just, it felt like we solved the science problem. Why can't that be enough? Why do we have to end it on some big cliffhanger, shocking moment? Like Because it's serialized, the, Eric. I know, but like it just felt so out of place for me. It's just the way they're doing it's not even television anymore. It just it aims to be mini movies and TV it just doesn't really doesn't really seem to follow that path at least the popular stuff doesn't because i i mean i i wholeheartedly agree i would love to just see making connections going week to week and just making new connections and doing nerd stuff and you know having weird hollow programs of violins trying to take some girl out to the beach or something like that like personal (laughs) personal uh and individual uh, character growth. I mean, how many times did I complain about that last year? It's like, uh, who's 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 the pilot? Uh, Detmer. 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 There was that episode where I specifically said this entire episode could strictly follow her, her, her uh, mental aversion, her her uh, uh, potential problems. We could deal with those. And then the the cap is that she flies the ship amazingly and does all this cool stuff at the end and and it's just all her character growth because I thought she was really cool but that's not the way they do things it's got to be stakes are so high and and the only the only pause I have and this is why I, I can't completely go against Eric here is because even after all that nail driving we did what did we get catastrophic thing who's going to save the day, Burnham's going to save the day, you know, and then you just don't, you just don't get character development. Pissing right. me and, off. And I, and, and I feel like we're going to, we're going to, this season, it, it, when you set up major problem that has to be solved, you, you run the, you don't run the risk. This is like what's going to happen is you're going to have like clue of the week episodes, right? Where each week we find some clue and we, it, we revolve around what we can do with that clue. And then it leads us to another clue. Kind of how, like, The Mandalorian Season 2 fetch kind quest. of went, right? Good old fetch right? quest. It was, like, it was like, hey, well, where where do you know of man- more Mandalorians? Oh, well, on Tatooine. Okay, we go to Tatooine. 
Well, where do we which know? Which leads more? you to another clue. Which, which leads, leads you to another, another clue. clue. The, the treasure's not clue. real. Right? And I feel like when you set up major problem like this, every episode is just going to be clue of the week. That leads us from here to here. And it's like it becomes the same and bland instead of like new and interesting and different. Yeah. Boy, I bet y'all can't wait to get to episode two. <laughs> well, I mean, only six more days at the time of this I mean, recording. It, yeah. That's the thing, though. It could turn on a dime. Could, I kind of I, I hope it. we do continue with, at the very least, some Burnham development. I mean, that would make me very happy because I, I liked her. I know I know, I don't, I know Eric didn't really like I don't remember Chase, but I liked her in season one. I liked her in season two. I really had a hard turn in season three. It really just irritated me. But I kind of like that half Vulcan stuff for a while, and then it kind of dissipated. But I just want to see some flipping character development. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked her in season one just because she was so apprehensive about engaging in, in whatever it is was being asked of her, just because of like being a the mutineer and like having this checkered past and. Uh, questioning Lorca and like trying to figure out like where she stands. So, like, I mean, she was pretty decent in season one. Yeah, I, yeah, I liked her until they introduced the Mirror Universe and they reintroduced Georgiou. Like that was the the moment yeah. when everything turned for me. Like the first, <laughs> what like eight episodes or so, I thought she was a good character. But then as soon as that came in, I was like, it's all downhill from there. <laughs> All right. Well, we will. Um, I guess we'll we'll call this one a day in terms of like the recap portion. Let's move into um, let's move into the evaluation stuff. I know, I know, Delta and, new, and numbers, but let's let's do the Delta rating. So, if this is your first time listening, Delta ratings where we evaluate how well uh, the aspects of the command division, the science, and the engineering type divisions show up in this episode of Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, so there's as I said earlier, there's lots of techno babble in this episode, right? Uh-huh. There, there's a science problem. At least we're not f- shooting our way out of anything. Like we're solving the problem with science. We have magical programmable matter that can do anything, though. It's like, <laughs> well, unless you're you're uh, you're Nalus you know, and you're just pulling a phaser on someone. I mean, that, that's right? Fine. But so, but like, like literally, he's like, okay, we 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 can't build these things on the ship. On our station, we need you to bring over materials and engineers to help us build this so we can fix our ship and stabilize the thrusters and do all this science-y stuff, and we need engineers to help us. So they're doing science here. They're doing engineering. They're doing operations, and we're working together to solve that problem all while we're under this time crunch of meteor shower that's going to blow up our ship if we don't do it fast enough, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean I'm I'm okay with the science aspect of this I I'll, I'll I'll give you know science and engineering deltas because there's that problem. Michael Burnham does not get a command delta from me, right? She hasn't earned it. She has to earn it. Federation president. I'm drawing a blank on her name again. Um, Rillick. Rillick. Lyra Rillick, right? Yep. All right. She she is a leader. Mm-hmm. 
she's a leader. I understand why she was chosen to be Federation president because she makes a lot of good points here. And, and you know, I, I think I think because of her and trying to put Burnham in her place, essentially, right? Um, she gets a command. She gets she gets the command delta from me, right? Michael Burnham doesn't, and Charles Vance, Admiral Vance, wasn't in the episode enough to really do anything other than tell Michael Burnham she doesn't need your permission. Right. But yeah, I, like I, I will give Federation President Rilke, Rilik, uh, a command delta because I think she's a good leader, and mm-hmm. I, I want to see more of her. I hope Absolutely. that she. I hope that. The whole season is not her and Michael Burnham just butting Button heads, heads, right? Yeah. I hope yeah. that's not the whole season and that they can learn Michael Burnham can, like, get it in her head that there's some – you don't know everything and they can try to work together. Let's hope. Let's hope. Well, I mean, that could be, like, a new actual mentor for her. That'd, That'd be, be good. Cool. That'd be good. How about you, David? Yeah, I mean, science and engineering was was nice. Uh, even when we get to the station, when they kind of went around the room, everybody had something to say. It was like, oh, wow, that that's nice. It's like now, they were sitting at a table talking about something there for a second. There was, there was, let's, not, let's not go too far. There was, there was no table. There was there's no only table. one table. It's a high rise, and there's no chairs, okay, in this <laughs> ship. But no, I, I like I like that you know that that's the thing is like you do you do want to gather opinions you do want to have uh, people be heard um, and then the execution you know you fix the satellite so the butterfly people can fly straight um, you know you, you Eric's Einsteinian math spin problem uh, which I barely registered. <laughs> That's Sorry, Eric, Professor. Though, for you. Uh, but it was good, uh, you know. So that that sort of stuff is is fun, um, even though you know I'm I'm not like particularly mathematic or sciency myself. Even though I, I definitely appreciate it, I always appreciated that part of the show. So that was very nice, and you could definitely give a delta for both of those. Um, but yeah, command command is is tough because like Burnham does make some very basic command decisions throughout the show but ultimately the overarching not considering situation and and you know uh the the needs of the few in this case outweighing the needs of the many um it's not it's not really worthy of the true command delta because she's not actually in full command as demonstrated uh by the president's um uh, speech, talking points, pep talk, you know, out of whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, I got, I'd be cool with giving the old president the Delta. I think again, she really made a lot of, a lot of good, good points in here. And it gave me a little bit more hope for the continuation of the show. Yeah. I just don't want, I don't want them to do, um, president dirty, you know, like make, make the president out to be like, like a mole or like, you know, uh, some yeah. something like that. Because, like, I would honestly, I wouldn't put it past him. Because, like, that just seems like it's too much of a trope. Like, have this high power Manchurian candidate type of character. I would hate the heck out of this with how much I love this particular character. You know what I'm saying, D- dude? Dead, dead serious. I know. I know we don't do a lot of future theorizing, but if this is some stupid like. <sighs> Oh, Emerald the proto chain, the, Emerald chain no, 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 plant or something. No, like, well, that could be also, but like, 
like some nefarious thing with her and her like pursuit of uh, technology to move ships better. It's like, oh, my new drive causes stuff. <laughs> you know, I'm going to do whatever I want so we can get spore mashed with proto stars and whatever the hell else. If it's something like that, I, ser- I swear I will not watch. I will You're- stop watching the show. You will take your shuttlecraft and go home. I, I, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so one thing I will say is that, um, what, regardless of how outright it was, like, just like the fact that we were that we're now focusing on like science and like the the the, the actual divisions of of Starfleet, like. It, seemingly in earnest such a breath of fresh air for this show for me like love it um like we're, we're talking about like i mean we're all in agreement about like science and engineering so i'm not going to belabor the point look president Rillick, standout character as far as i'm concerned um like favorite character so far of this season like best newcomer so far as as far as i'm concerned um i want i want to show a little bit of love to saru though like what, um, like with him on him on Kaminar, and like explaining like this whole island thing and being this great elder, and like doing his own pep talk thing. Like, you know, regardless of like our opinions of him, I, I kind of want to like throw him some love. Like, I think he's like demonstrating some good leadership stuff as the leader of like the Kaminar people, uh, like this reunified, you know, people essentially. Um, I'm I'm almost wondering if we need to like retool like our delta ratings like <laughs> so it's like because we 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 mentioned like this um um partial delta like I'm not giving it to you I'm giving it to you type of thing and like it's it's almost as if and I don't even want to insult like cadets or ensigns but it's it's almost as if like some characters are maybe they are um demonstrating some degree of it but not to the level in which they should be for the position in which they occupy. Like, for example, Michael Burns being a captain, perhaps like she's she's demonstrating like what leadership would look like or feel like, sound like to like a first year cadet or a newly minted ensign, for example, a, a, compared to a 10, 15 year serving officer in the captaincy, essentially. Does that make sense? So, um, I'm I'm with all with all y'all in your like delta ratings, but I'm gonna throw it to throw some to Saru, just not Michael. So, and if I do, it'll be like, you know, a cadet sprinkling of, of um, leadership theory essentially at this point. Hopefully, there's there's some major growth. Let's get into the number rating. This episode is going long for our listeners and for us. So, um, number rating: one being a dumpster fire, ten being the absolute best trek in the whole entire world. Okay, I'll go first again. Um, this is not a good episode. This is this is not a good episode of television. Um, this is probably the worst season premiere that the show's had in its four seasons, I think. And um, there's about six different stories crammed into this one episode that, you know, I don't think any of them maybe the the spinning station was the only one that was really like given its full ju- gi- given its full due like 
you know, as a whole story. I think everything else was completely rushed and didn't get enough done, and it was just all over the place. Like, all over the place. And I feel like the show is underestimating its audience in a certain sense. Like, it's trying to, like, force-feed us everything and not letting us think enough. And it, and I don't think this show has learned anything. Like, who knows, like, if they're, how much listening to the fans they, they're even doing. But it just doesn't feel like they've listened. Like, I'm not saying listen to me, listen to David, listen to Chase, because we're the opinions that matter. But Absolutely I feel like are. there are a lot of people out there <laughs> that are very vocal that don't like the direction of the show. But the writers and the producers, they don't care. They're like, we're going to do our big world-ending thing. We're not going to give you the the problem of the week, the, the planet of the week, the mission of the week. And that's the show I want. But I understand that the writers and the producers are not making a show for me. They're making the show they want to make. But if this is the quality of the show they're going to make, like, I don't think this is good. I, I don't think this is very good. And I think this show is going to struggle in the fall with all of the other science fiction that is coming out right now. The Expanse is just about to go into its final season, right, in December. Lost in Space, the Netflix show, is going to have its final season on Netflix here. The Book of Boba Fett is coming out in December, right? Uh, you're going to have good science fiction on at the same time as this show. And I really think this show is going to struggle going up against all of those other things if this is the quality that it's going to give us. And hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully there's somebody in that writer's room that David has theorized that could be potentially changing this, but I'm just not seeing it yet. And I don't like this episode. I I just, I don't like it. And it's not a complete dumpster fire. Like, it's not a two. It's not mirror universe bad, or at least there's not that. There are some, there are some things in it that are okay, like President Relic and Saru. And so I... I don't want to, like, come out of the gate giving it the worst rating ever, but I feel like this is, like, a five. Oh, I thought you were going to go with, like, a three, honestly, no. the way you were talking. <laughs> no, that's, that's like, I don't want to come out of the gate and be too hard, because there are, like, like, some good things here, but, like, it's not good. It's okay. not good. All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I get... I definitely get where you're coming from on that. I, I like I said, I, I'm uh, trying to, I'm trying to remain hopeful because I, I do feel like I see uh, a route that they could potentially go, but I also see where they could potentially completely cop out and just do legitimately the same show we've gotten for three years. And you're right. There is a lot of uh, there's a lot of television. There's a lot of television uh, to be coming out in the in the genre that could potentially mess 
with this if folks are not particularly enjoying it. Um, but I do feel like, again, I hope that this is true, but I do feel like they are calling out some of the pain points uh, with, with character development, with um, the route in which they took in season three, which I felt like was such a huge departure from everything that they put out previously. Um, and the fact that I'm enjoying a cartoon so much better than a live action is really kind of depressing in a way. Sure. Uh, it's, it's not because I enjoy Prodigy, but it's also depressing because the, the live action should be where it's at. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, it was, it, was not, it was not really a great episode because it didn't really uh, show any sort of growth and it showed the, the potential same story arc that we've been watching. Uh, but I, I am a, a, I, I'm definitely a little higher than Eric, mainly because I feel like there could be, there could be a turn. And if they make the turn, I might even think about revisiting this episode rating. I mean, I won't. I won't change anything because once I say it, I don't care enough to change it. Sure, sure. But I could potentially think about changing it. Uh, but I'm still, I'm still a little low. I, I'm gonna say like, I'm gonna say like a six point four. Okay. So I gotta say, watching this. Um, so watching this like as part of like the the, the virtual premiere um, I was excited about it uh, I think partly because like there were so many Star Trek folks that I was like watching this with in real time and uh, I mean it's it's just exciting like you don't know what to expect um, and like I said my my, my favorite part um, to, somewhat to Eric's chagrin uh, was like the the Enterprise drop, you know, with with the Archer space dock and Archer's theme and everything like that. Um, both times I watched it, I was just like grinning like an idiot, just you know, warming my heart just hearing that stuff and you know, getting a little love for Archer. Uh, loved it, um, and of course, you know, Rillick being the um, uh, the the best newcomer as far as I'm concerned so far. Um, this isn't. This isn't prodigy level premiere rating, which I gave I think like an eight, eight or eight one originally. I gave an, um, what I give? I gave an eight. I gave the prodigy premiere an eight, and um, this is not this is not an eight for me. Um, it's not even, I mean it, not even a seven for me, um, but it's definitely not a three either. <laughs> so, um, it's. The, there, there's a lot of stuff that's taken place um, like going from like horror to something else to catfight to Alderaan and a Death Star type of thing um, it, it's I, I really want it to turn around and having like a little bit of an idea of like what's going to happen next um, I mean we'll, we'll see Right, um, like I'm, I'm hopeful for like the rest of the season that things can turn around, that they will turn around. Like we try and give these shows the benefit of the doubt, you know, like with with how they start out. Um, I, I mean, generally, I I kind of like this episode, but I kind of don't. 
So I'm kind of like in the ballpark of what David is saying. Like, Dave, David, you, I think you just said like what, a 6'4 or something like that? 6'4. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, I'm in that ballpark. Like, I'm not, I'm like between like a 6'5 and like a, like a 6'7, six, 6'8, six, something like that. So, I mean, I'll just call, I guess I'll just call it like a 6'6 six, six, just for the heck of it. Um, it's just a little bit below average. Like if we're looking at like a letter grading scale, it's just a little bit below average. Um, there's, there's still a lot of work, a lot of fleshing out that needs to take place, but I want this to be good. Look, I don't want, I don't want Star Trek to suck. I don't, I really don't want my, my franchise to, to suck and, and be a dumpster fire. Um, but then I don't write this stuff. They don't ask me, they don't ask me for my opinion or Eric or David for our opinions of stuff, unless they, you know, they, they secretly follow us on, um, on a Twitter. <clears throat> But um, anyway, well, let's, I guess let's move on into the, uh, the, the, the mostly last part of the show. And that is, of course, what would it be, gents? A good old Twitter poll. You want a Twitter poll? Here we go. Um, I asked this question, which Star Trek Discovery character are you most excited to see in season four? The options were. Saru, Burnham, Book, or Grudge? Okay, so Saru, Burnham, Book, or Grudge. Which one would um, you have voted for, Eric, out of those four? It's obviously Grudge, right? Of course. (laughs) Right, because she's a queen. I love my cat. Okay. I love my cat, who's headbutting my foot as we speak. (laughs) (laughs) Is that Kira? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously it's, I'm interested to see Saru, um, what role does he take now that he's not in Starfleet, that he's not the captain, how Mm -hmm. do they bring him back into the fold, and has his time away changed him at all, and will he come back, if he comes back, will he come back and be a better captain for it, what are what role does he does he take the first officer job under Michael Burnham? Would he would he be willing to do that? Would Admiral Vance be willing to put him there? I'm just really interested to see what Saru has done, how what he's learned, and how his character has changed since leaving Starfleet and the Discovery. Yeah, which you know we we brought. The, uh, I don't want to like drag this out or anything, but you know David. Um, was talking about like leaders and like how they just kind of um, emerge amongst groups. Like we were talking about that even with um, our prodigy discussion, like with Dallin, uh, Dallin, um, like Gwen and, and company. Dallin's just kind of like emerged as like the natural leader. Um, and like even with Spock, like you know Spock like rose to the rank of captain. So did Scotty, rose to the rank of, of captain. But Spock willingly submitted to be um, the number one despite having equal rank so um, I, I think that's I think that's something that's important too. like understand like as an important um, component of leadership is like knowing when to speak up and knowing when to you know be quiet when to be a team player and, or something else so um, anyway David who would who would you um, vote for on this poll 
Um, well, I, I mean, I, I think Saru is, is probably the right choice. But I, I've always wanted them to integrate Book better into the story because I like the character. But he's just such kind of kind of like just this transient character that pops up in his stupid transformer robots in disguise ship. <laughs> that just yeah. I'll get you next time, Autobots. You know, and it's just <laughs> it is what it is. But I, I always kind of like the idea of his character. Um, but yeah, I mean, pre-episode book, post-episode one, Suru. Okay. All right. So, look, okay, so here are the results. Um, last place, with 10% of the vote, Burnham and Grudge. So, uh, so yeah, we got Burnham and Grudge in last place, both with 10% of the vote, which leaves 30% of the vote going to Saru for second place. And uh, finally, with 50% of the vote, book. So there we go. Wow. Hmm. Okay. So, I mean, we'll see. Um, Saru and book are definitely the two characters that I'm the most interested um, in, in learning more about. And I, I really want to hear, like, what the whole... Um, Cleveland Booker thing is that we were kind of promised at the the end of uh, season three like and if that actually plays out like if we actually get to have some satisfaction with whatever that story ends up being so guys I know this has gone a little long everyone in listening supersized episode for the premiere that's how it always works right yeah got to get it all out come back home it's like first day of um, first day um, back to school or something like that I don't know whatever well, guys, thank you so much for another discussion. Um, um, it's been it's been interesting, right? And um, anyways, we'll we'll have more of these. Um, just in case anyone was wondering, like what we are going to be doing next, um, we Prodigy is is on a brief hiatus until the first of the year. So that means that our focus is going to be Discovery, unless one or all of us takes our shuttlecraft and go home, and we give up on the show for whatever reason. Uh, possibly Eric or David, I don't know, because I'm going to have to show up at regardless um, <laughs> to record these things. <laughs> um, anyways, guys, thank you so much for for putting up with me and, and watching this stuff and talking about it with me. I really appreciate it, as always. Um, what did y'all in Listenerland think about this show? Did you like it? Um, did you Do you agree with our ratings? Did you give it something higher, or are you unwilling to rate it at all? We'd love to hear about that. Uh, interact with us. Uh, check us out, trtvpod.com. Uh, learn more about us, uh, share your comments there, or you can also send us a, um, an email, open up hailing frequencies and send it to trtvpod at gmail.com. Um, you can also send us a voice only transmission to 817-752-4757. There's a three minute limit before uh, the butterfly people come after you. So unless you want to get shot after their, you know, whatever homing device thing that lets them fly easier, get after it. Finally, if you do want to mail us something, like some uh, programmable matter so that we can fix our drone. That's cool. Uh, Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas, 76098. Everyone, thank you so much for putting up with our rambles. And as we leave here today, may you always remember to boldly go and make it so. Bye.